Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm your producer, Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Recently, Rob completed a teaching series entitled Save, Sing, and Share the Hymns. This course will teach you how the book of Psalms was arranged and motivate you to create a personal hymn book inside your mind. You'll also journey alongside a young music minister as Rob guides him through 60 classic hymns we should never lose. This unique course includes a downloadable guide to the book of Psalms, live music samples of select hymns, and a bonus interview with worship professor Vernon Whaley. For a limited time, we're offering this nine-session online course at a 50% discount. Visit robertjmorgan.com and click on the Courses link to find and enroll in this self-paced study using any computer or mobile device. And now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Well, hello, friends. This is Robert J. Morgan, and I'm so glad you've tuned in today and are following along with our podcasts. I've been in California all this weekend and did the stupidest thing yesterday. Uh, I was flying back last night, or supposed to, and I got to exploring in Hollywood and Beverly Hills and driving up and down those narrow streets and looking at where the people lived and became so interested in it all that I lost track of time and I'd already made a mistake about my departure time and I missed my flight. Um, Luke Tyler, who is um, my granddaughter's boyfriend, was with me and uh, so we just um, rebooked for today and found us a hotel and um, said, well, it all works out for good. That's the attitude we've got to have about all of life. Romans 8:28 is the most comprehensive promise in the Bible. And it says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. When you begin to develop that attitude, it helps you roll with the unpredictable moments of life. I'm not perfect at rolling with them by any means, but it certainly helps knowing the truth of that particular promise. And that's the subject of my newest book, which is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. We have it featured now at a very special price. There is also a study guide to go along with it and a video series. And many churches are already using this for small group curriculum and Many people are giving it to friends for encouragement. So please go to my website, robertjmorgan.com, and check it out. Well, one of the things that I said this weekend at the Ventura Jubilee Fellowship in Ventura, California, is that the promises of God are absolutely essential for our mental health and for our emotional well-being. And I want to show you several promises today uh, and several passages about the promises that I think will encourage you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. In this particular passage, Paul is, the Apostle Paul, is defending himself because some of the Corinthians thought that he was going to come and see them, and he didn't arrive exactly when they thought he should, and they accused him of being fickle and telling them one thing and doing another. But he says in Verse number 15, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 15. He said, I wanted, I was confident in this. I wanted to visit you. And he said in verse 17, was I fickle when I intended to do this? 
Or did I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. Now this is first century Pauline language, but he said Christ is always yes. And he explains what he means in this incredible verse 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. This is one of the greatest verses in all, in the Bible, uh, in all of the Bible about the promises of God. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. In other words, God makes promises. Jesus Christ says yes to them. He ratifies them by his death and resurrection. And we say, amen. And we claim them. So for example, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. It's found repeatedly in the Bible. And Jesus says, yes. And we claim it and we say, amen. God says, goodness and mercy will surely follow you all of the days of your life. And Jesus says, yes. And we claim it and we say, amen. What promise is there in the Bible which you need to claim? Well, there are so many promises that there is always one for every situation we ever face. We may have a million different dilemmas during the course of our lives, but in the Bible we hold in our hands, there is always going to be a promise that will sustain us and guide us through any particular dilemma that we may face. Now, another promise that I want to show you, uh, and a very special one that is like Romans 8.28, is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23 and verse 3. So turn with me. I've got my Bible open and I'm turning there now to Deuteronomy 23 and verse number three. This is referring back to the story of Balaam. And this story uh, occurs in the book of Numbers. But when the Israelites came to Moab, which is right across the Jordan River from the promised land, and Moses had hoped at that time to cross the Jordan and go right into the promised land, the king of Moab hired a soothsayer and a witch doctor named Balaam to curse the Israelites, to place a curse upon them. And Balaam tried to do that two or three times, but whenever he opened his mouth, a blessing came out instead. So in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 23, Moses is looking back at that, and it says in verse 3, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt, but they hired Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor, to pronounce a curse on you. However, now look at this, Deuteronomy 23 and verse number 5. The Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned the curse into a blessing because the Lord loves you. Now, that is a very powerful phrase. I don't want you to skip over it. God turns 
curses into blessings. And this very phrase is repeated in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13 and verses 1 and 2. So the devil tries to curse us. The world tries to curse us. Sometimes people around us may try to curse us. But God always turns curses into blessings for those who love him. This is Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He turns things for good. He turns curses into blessings. Now, there's another very similar passage in the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 45. I'm turning there now. And this is the story of Joseph. And if you talk about being cursed and having people turn against you, well, just study the life of Joseph. He was 17 years old when his older brothers uh, kidnapped him and stripped him and threw him down into a cistern, into a pit, and then sold him into slavery. He became an object of human trafficking by his own brother's hands. He became a slave in Egypt. And then he was accused of sexual assault and of rape. And he ended up in prison until he was 40, until he was 30 years old. From the time he was 17 until he was 30, Joseph was either in slavery or in prison because of what his brothers did to him. But then he became the prime minister of Egypt, and he was allocating the grain to all of the people of the world during the time of famine. And it says in chapter 45 that Jacob sent his sons, Joseph's brothers, down to get grain from him. And they approached him, but they didn't recognize him. And he, with wisdom, manipulated the circumstances and brought them to a place of confessing their wrongdoing. And in chapter 45 of Genesis, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known by his brothers or to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard him. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now, this is the most powerful verse I know in the Bible about self-forgiveness. All of us have done things that we regret. We look back and we didn't realize at the time exactly what we were doing, or maybe we did, but we look back now and we saw how awful it was. And it's very easy for us to beat ourselves up over that. And some people live in constant self-guilt. But here the Lord says, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for those bad things that you did. Stop beating yourselves up. And Joseph said God was behind it all. He was using this all. He was manipulating the circumstances so as to save many lives. And he says again in verse 8, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. And if you go over to chapter 50, Joseph has something else very similar that he says to his brothers. It says 
in verse number um, 19, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. God intended it for good. All things work together for good. God turns curses into blessings. So if you've had some negative uh, events in your life, then remember this, that God always says yes in Christ Jesus to what is best for us, to his perfect will for us. And he gives us many promises. And you can find those promises and claim them. And God makes the promise, God the Father does, and Jesus Christ says yes. He ratifies it by his death and resurrection. And we claim it and we say amen. And the greatest of all of those promises is Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and for those who are called according to his purpose. And we read in, in the book of Deuteronomy that God has the ability and the willingness to turn curses in our lives into blessings. And we learn from Joseph that even when we are abused or the devil attacks us, God intends it for good. This is why we can go through life with optimism. So if you feel cursed or you feel like there is something wrong in your life today, well, give it to God through Jesus Christ and love him and recognize that you're called according to his purpose to be conformed into the image of our Lord and let him turn the curse into the blessing. Let him use it for good. And I can promise you on the authority of scripture that God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you today. And for more information, please check out this new book, God Works All Things Together for Your Good, at my website, robertjmorgan.com. And remember to read your Bible every day. And as you're reading it, circle those promises because you never know when you might need them. So may the Lord bless you until we meet again. And may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May he work in you what is pleasing to him, the one who promised is faithful. And he will do it. God bless you. And I'll see you next time.